Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Brothers Unscripted Television's The Bachelorette, the groundbreaking season for your Emmy consideration. USA Today called Bachelorette Rachel Lindsay a true queen among royals. The New York Times said Rachel was maybe the best bachelorette ever. Super smart, mature, gorgeous, game, and emotionally expressive. And the Huffington Post called the show historically delightful. Consider ABC's The Bachelorette in all categories for all the right reasons. Visit WBFYC.com. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we're going to be discussing the Emmy contenders for Best Actress in a Limited Series or Movie. Plus you'll hear my interview with Jodie Foster and Dominic's interview with Vice Principals Walton Goggins. It's from our annual Emmy Contenders event. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about Best Actress in a Limited Series or Movie. You know, last year's winner was Nicole Kidman for Big Little Lies, which they are making a season two of. Meryl Streep will be on board for that too. Last year's nominees almost, in fact, I can't think of any of them who are eligible this year. Nicole Kidman's not. Susan Sarandon's not for Feud. Felicity Huffman's not for American Crime. Uh, Jessica Lange's not for Feud. Reese Witherspoon's not. Carrie Coon's not. So it's a wide open field this year. Brand new. Brand new. Brand new. Which is why I like this category. You know, at one time... Uh, when I was on the board of the TV Academy, they tried to knock limited series, min- miniseries at the time, and these categories off the Emmy show. They were actually sell it to HBO. That was an idea at a time. And because I said, all of the limited series are on HBO, my man. That's yeah. why. It's an <laughs> but, in-house it's But an I in-house think production. that it's the only categories that give you different people. You just said it yourself. True. None of the people nominated last year will be back this year in this category, and you need that. And, and also, I'll say, like, I mean, obviously, that was several years ago, what you're talking about, yeah, the Academy. It was. You know, now with Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and, and, and everybody, including the big four, doing limited series to some extent, right. you know, it's a, it is a whole new world out there. And yes. I, think, I think what you're going to see is some surprises. But I always come back to, because you really schooled me in this, which is that the Academy loves past winners. Yes. Or past hopefuls, at right. least. Very they big do. contenders. They do. So I think we're going to see some of that. I think Laura Dern for HBO's Detail, yeah. who won last year for Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series for Big Little Lies. I think she's going to be a big contender. I think Elizabeth Moss, who for Top of the Lake, China Girl, which is the sequel, obviously, to Top of the Lake. Obviously, Elizabeth won last year Best Actress in Drama for The Handmaid's Tale. Will undoubtedly be one of the leads in that, in contenders, as we've talked about before, this year. It's all over the place. But I do think, this is me, and I know there's a superstar component here, two of them actually, that you're going to love. Yeah. But for me, <laughs> it's Michelle Dougherty for Godless. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because you love Downton Abbey. I love Downton Abbey. <laughs> I love I love her on Downton Abbey. Yeah. I, I felt that the choices she made post Downton Abbey were very interesting. Yeah. Obviously, she had that series on uh, TBS, TNT, I can't remember for a little while. Um, and then now she comes up with Godless, which was on HBO, which was remarkable. 
I think Jeff Daniels is actually going to be in the running for this in some way too because he yeah. was in it as well. But I don't know how many people ever actually saw it because I think it came out in a, an odd week of all those week releases. But she was fantastic yeah. in it. And in a year when you're talking about a new discussion, a new level of discourse about the power of women, empowerment of women, equality and equity in Hollywood, a woman gunslinger, basically. Mm-hmm. Can't kind of do better than that. Uh, no, you know, just It's ask, Shane meets you know. Sandra, and that's kind of yeah. good. And Westworld. Um, uh, but, you know, here's the thing. You're right on the superstar kind of thing, and I really do dig the superstars in this category. I like movie stars. You uh, love movie stars, okay? <laughs> I want to see them here. Let's uh, once again plug how Pete wants to do uh, Oscar talk. It's a, pod- <laughs> it's a podcast that we are promoting here yeah. before it's even started. Here's the thing. I really like, and I interviewed her uh, for Contenders, uh, and I'm sorry she hasn't gotten more traction. I think maybe because the movie's on Lifetime, and Lifetime is sort of considered an ugly ch- stepchild by the Academy in, in the uh, Emmys. It doesn't do as well, even though they turn out movie after movie. But she was awfully good, Catherine Zeta-Jones. In Cocaine Godmother? In Cocaine, cocaine well, Godmother. Well, I think the problem is with Lifetime is, is Lifetime is still stuck in what people think it shows, which yeah, is what which it shows. Yeah, this was not. Like, they still think, oh, yeah. yeah, of course, Lifetime. They did yeah. a Harry and Meghan movie yeah. <laughs> just before the Royal Wedding, which they yeah. did do, yeah. um, which actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. Guy really did look like Prince Harry. And I bet but, Meghan Markle played herself. Uh, of course. Because of that's course. the kind of a TV she did when she was a TV star. Dude, is, Suits not a, <laughs> is Suits not a Lifetime show waiting to happen? Yeah. Um, but... I think, you know, that's only a portion of what they do. And I think that some of the larger stuff they do, some of the smarter stuff they do, some of the wittier stuff they do gets tremendously overlooked. I'm actually surprised in many ways that Catherine Zeta-Jones didn't try to move this because yeah. she's got, obviously, the heft to try to get something. Cooking yeah. Godmother was, a, was something, that could, if it had shown up on a different outlet, yeah. way more attention. Way more, yeah. If it was on HBO, for instance. Yeah. Um, but she's awfully good in that. And Sharon Stone's terrific in her role in Mosaic, which was only six episodes. See, that's, well, six yeah. episodes I and know. an app and then yeah. other things. Other I mean, things. Yeah, I know, I, it's complicated, I, I, but it was well-received. Is, is, like, is, that, is that your Facebook status? Uh, no, no, no. Steven Soderbergh was, was behind it. It's got a lot of good names. It's got HBO behind it. Uh, again, I did her at the uh, Contenders event. She is really well-liked um, by the uh, voters. She's already won an Emmy. She won for the practice, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, as a guest actress. But I thought she, I think, I think, but she I was think very Mosaic, sympathetic in this I movie. think, yeah, but I think Mosaic falls prey to the same leg hole trap that Cocaine Godmother does, which is nobody saw it or who did see it had to explain it so much that by the time you're like, so it was on Lifetime? But doesn't Lifetime show bad biographies? Yeah. Oh, so Mosaic <laughs> was a show, but it was an app. And you, yeah. what? Oh, sorry, I have to go eat. Like, it's, it's yeah. so complicated. It's easier just to put her name on a ballot and then they vote for it. Sharon Stone, yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. This goes back to my movie star theory. They go by names. And, you know, the Academy even got in trouble for a while because people would just check off names like Ellen Burstyn. Turns out she was in a 14-second roll on something, so they changed the rule to five minutes. 
uh, to avoid those embarrassments where, where people are lazy. The These embarrassments that can also be known as the Judy Dench syndrome. Yes, the, well, that was an eight-minute role that she won an Oscar for. Now, here's the thing. Let's go on some of these favorite TV names, like well, Edie Falco, uh, you know, for the Menendez murders, or um, Sarah Paulson. Well, Paul, uh, Sarah Paul, I mean, Sarah Paulson's won this category before. Yeah, I mean, for I'm American saying, Horror she's Story, these yeah. kind of favorites I mean, that and, they go to. Well, p people love Sarah Paulson, and rightly so, by the way. Right. Sarah Paulson's incredibly talented. Yeah. I do actually think that there are, there are two off-center contenders here who could actually come in. One, and and I was not a fan of this show, The Sinner, yeah. but yeah. I think Jessica Biel could actually be, be a strong contender here because she, be. she really put herself out there with yeah. this. She is well-liked. Right. She is seen as someone who has worked very hard from where she started in, in the industry to where she is now. Yeah. She's also seen someone who's taken on a role behind the camera. So I think that's something which gives people a, a, lot, a, a lot greater perspective on her. The other one, though, and I will say this in, a, in an industry where I think Margaret Atwood bodes well, if you can connect her to you, is Sarah Gaddon, who was mm -hmm. in Alias Grace, okay. which was on Netflix, which is based on a Margaret Atwood um, novel okay. about didn't, a woman, a woman who was fantastic, see it. Yeah. fantastic. And, and I worry that a lot of people didn't. It, mm -hmm. it takes place in the 19th century. It's a story about a woman who is falsely accused of a crime and kind of the telling of that story and what have you. Sarah was amazing in it. Okay. Amazing in it. And again, yeah. I worry this category, I mean, you mentioned it kind of when you were talking about when the Academy thought about getting rid of it. This category is either heavy loaded with superstars, because yeah. it's great. You're right. Nicole Kidman, you show up for Big Little Lives, bingo. Right. You're Reese Witherspoon, bingo. Yeah. Jessica Lang, Susan Sarandon, gang, 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 gang. But you also have an opportunity here to have some really, really interesting performances from people who are really just digging into the work. Yes. And I know that sounds really Puritan of me, and I'm not that kind of person usually, but I do think that. It's like, it's a, you know, we've got six episodes, we've got nine episodes here, and we can just tell a story. Yeah. And sometimes, being a better storyteller, I, and I will take this back in my future lives, <laughs> is better than being a movie star. Well, that is true, and that can, that can definitely work for someone. While we're on Netflix here, um, Black Mirror. Is is very has done very well in these categories in the past. It actually won the movie award yeah. uh, last year, and uh, you have uh, you know a number of actresses that are really good. At, Rosemary DeWitt, you yeah, know, was yeah, fantastic. Black Mirror is Black Mirror is great because I mean everybody gets to play. Right, yeah. and it's uh, like who was I? She was in the Jodie Foster director. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she um, was I was talking there. to uh, Jimmy Simpson from Westworld, mm -hmm. and who was in Unsolved, and he was telling me I, I bumped into him, and he's. I said, "Oh, where have you been?" He goes, "I just got back from London like this morning." I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I got nominated for a BAFTA for my role in Black Mirror." Yes, yeah, I, I was know. Like, well, you know, it's like, all over the place. Yeah, you yeah. know, these kind of anthologies that aren't really movies; they're sort of. But a... see, how does that? But <laughs> why are they allowed to do that? I don't know. I because think Black this is Mirror tricky. is an anthology. Series, yeah. right? But it it it's is a different. series. Yeah. Like it's not it's not. It's we're a series uh, that's not connected as what we think of as a series. So it it falls in the. I mean, they're essentially one-offs under the same yeah, umbrella. They're one-offs. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, this show, for instance, uh, uh, that Jodie Foster directed uh, for them is fifty-two minutes. Yeah, and uh, you know so. What is that? That's not a movie, but that's the, like the one that won last year too. Okay. Before we go on to something else, Netflix had a, a series, speaking of a series, called Seven Seconds. It's not been picked up for another year. 
they have decided to put it in the limited series category, and they are pushing Regina King. Yeah. And Regina King has won uh, two Emmys uh, for American Crime uh, on ABC. and um, Which, sadly, is not coming back to ABC. Uh, that's not. This is not. So they decided to take something that really was intended to be a television series, and because it's not going, it's suddenly... A limited series or a movie, which I think is a bit of a cheat, by the way. Well, I mean, I think I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, and I, yeah. but I but I think that the rules of the Academy, which we are both members, and I yeah. suppose we could do something about it if we wanted to, or at least put our raise our hands. The, the rules of the Academy are such that you're allowed to that. I don't think you should be allowed to do that. And look, yeah. I think we're look. I didn't. I, I there. I had issues with Seven Seconds as a TV critic. I definitely yeah. had issues with it, and there were things that were just. I don't want to say hokey, but there were things that were that were very, very old school Big Four TV as yeah. opposed to 2018, where you've got a, a being on Netflix allows you a lot of opportunities. Yeah, nothing is to say that Regina King, as the grieving mother, was not awesome. Awesome, always. Awesome. And they, but, they, the voters seem to really like and, her. And, and they, and the producers yeah. of Seven Seconds know that, and that's part of yeah. why they're playing. But I don't yeah. think you should be able to play a card like that. Like yeah. honestly, I don't think Black Mirror should be allowed to be in these limited series or movies. Yeah. And I love Black Mirror. Right. I think Charlie is tremendously talented. Yeah. But I just don't see how it's a limited series or movie. Right. Like I don't. Well, it, they need to redefine. Yeah. I think this category because it's getting a lot of gray areas year after year after year. Remember the year they nominated Ashley Judd for a show that ABC had canceled and they fucked so I'm gonna just throw her in limited series and ever pretend you know that it was a, yeah. a regular network series yeah. which is crazy um, I mentioned Edie Falco before never never um, speaking of you know a, a network you know broadcast network the Menendez brothers uh, uh, murders story law and order true crime she's dun, dun, won dun, for dun, Nurse dun. Jackie she's won for The Sopranos she's won three times for that you know they do love Edie Falco too so let's yeah, but throw that, her but name but that in. show was loud okay what about Haley Atwell I mean look Haley Atwell has, has clearly become she was in Howard's End on Stars um, which brought an Oscar to Emma Thompson you know that is a, a, a property but that I has, will say this yeah. I would say in fact that can also be that can also be the anchor on which mm -hmm. is that it is something that's like, yeah, but there is a Howard's End. Right. Oh, but it's, it's, it's the book. No, yeah. there's the Emma Thompson one, right. and that's the defining one. I don't know how well seen this was. I don't yeah. know how well received it was in many senses. But right. I do I do think, I think Haley is great. I mean, she was Agent Carter from the Marvel Universe, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I don't know if she is yet at this league with okay. the kind of people we're talking about. I think it's a wide open race this year. Yeah. I, I thought last year Nicole Kidman ran through the all every award she could possibly win and you knew she was going to win because it was such a unique and strong role. I don't think I did, any you know, of these... I, did, I remember last year when we talked about this, I did think that Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon did have a good chance. I mean, there was yeah. there were so many things in Feud and I know you wrote about it extensively and yeah. I reviewed it and what have you. There were so many things in Feud that Ryan Murphy and the gang just kind of, they, you know they were like, this This is our Emmy scene. Oh, this is our totally. Emmy. I mean, the yeah. Oscar one was clearly the Emmy episode. The, the Oscar mean, show yeah, was the Emmy episode. It was clearly. I mean, <laughs> they, they were rigging that Oh, game. he knew that. Yeah. And that they, was, they spent millions on yeah. that, recreating that whole show. I mean, really building out the Only to have scene. Olivia de Havilland sue their asses for yes, it anyways. and now suing again. Yes. She's going to just keep suing. Um, but uh, anyway, so so there you have it. I, I I don't know of anybody else that you know who may come up in the at the last minute here. But uh, it, it's a, a great group of women here, uh, and I think it's anybody's ballgame. Speaking of which, 
Anybody's ball game, or rather, anybody could be the winner of Finding Love. I believe you have a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Brothers Unscripted Television's The Bachelorette, the groundbreaking season for your Emmy consideration. USA Today called Bachelorette Rachel Lindsay a true queen among royals. The New York Times said Rachel was maybe the best bachelorette ever. Super smart, mature, gorgeous, game, and emotionally expressive. And the Huffington Post called the show historically delightful. Consider ABC's The Bachelorette in all categories for all the right reasons. Visit WBFYC.com. Recently, I got a chance on my Behind the Lens series for Deadline to interview the great Jodie Foster, of course, a well-known actor, has been in this business for over half a century. We had a great time talking. Uh, in terms of Emmy, she's got the Black Mirror, you know, the Black Mirror episode she did, which is a, a terrific show and really shows her directorial talent here uh, behind the scenes. And so, she's going to be back on the on front of the camera with Hotel Artemis. Which Hol- Hotel Artemis, absolutely opening in June. And uh, so she's bringing back her acting career. She hasn't done any in five years. Concentrated on directing. We talk about all of that, so check it out. You know, you actually have been uh, concentrating more, I think, on the directing angle than the acting angle in recent years, right? I have, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a long career. I've been doing, I've been in the business for 52 years. So yeah. I feel like if you just did one thing for all that time, you <laughs> would be like a zombie or something. So, yeah, I, I, uh, it's, uh, it's been a, an amazing film school, really. I bet it has been, right from, you know what, it's interesting too, I see so many um, actors who grew up as child stars, yes. you know, like Ron Howard or Fred Savage mm-hmm. or Jason Bateman, are so many of them that turned to directing, and I'm wondering if that was that, your film yeah. school there, and you said, one of these days I'm going to yeah. be behind the camera. We're just the percentage that didn't become real estate people, <laughs> it's one or the other. Kind one of. or the <laughs> other, yeah. But that is a, you know, considering what you... You know, you it's an amazing transition to go from directing, uh, from acting to directing, and I think it's the best one. Uh, I think it really makes for the best directors. I think actors are really the only people who know why a scene works and why it doesn't from, from, from behind the camp, from looking really behind the lens and really able to, able to understand what that process is. And um, it's, uh, it's a kind of a mystery that I think only actors know. Yeah. What sparked your transition? You did a, a Stephen King's um, a show, like in the 80s, mid-80s or something yes, like that. Um, Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side. Well, that's a funny story because yeah. I can't take credit for that. I, should, yeah. I, I really shouldn't take credit for it. My, my good friend Bob Balaban is uh-huh. a director, oh, sure. actor as well, yeah. and uh, we, uh, he knew that I wanted to become a director, and he was DGA. <laughs> and he needed a non-DGA person to come and co-direct with him. And so he called me up and said, how would you like to come in and co-direct this thing with me? And I said, sure. So I did every part of the process with him. But mostly, I shut my mouth and learned. Ah. And um, he gave me that opportunity, which I will always be grateful for. And I put him in my first movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> I did. <laughs> That's great. Which your first movie was? My first movie was Little Man Tate. Little Man Tate, which yes. is a wonderful movie. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I went on to you know, do other films. But I was, when I was really little, I think I was about, I don't know, about 13 or 14, I did a short. Um, uh, they were doing a documentary on me. And they said, we're going to give you a camera crew. And you can do anything you want. And this is, this is the amount of time you do it for. So I, I shot a short. And... Uh, it's, it's, it was an idea that had been brewing from the time I was a small child, really from the time I was six or seven. So. Wow, yeah. I, I think a lot of the films, you know, I loved The Beaver. Oh, loved thank it. you. I did. And, you. Um, and uh, so many of them 
I wouldn't call you as much a director as an auteur. You know, okay. there, it seems to me you have a, a definite feel for cinema as opposed to, you know, wanting to do right. a bigger. Well, that really was my goal, and that was my first love was auteur yeah. directors. Uh, French Nouvelle Vague. You know, for me, that really was uh, the opus. That, that really was the, what I was going for, yeah. um, and what really turned me on to wanting to be a film director. So um, my goals as a director are very different than my goals have been as an as an actor. Yeah. You know, I really. I have very small goals as a director. I really want to make movies that are personal and true, and that that um, end up, you know, asking questions that change my life, and by extension, hopefully, that will change other people's lives. So, you know, it's it's a big goal and it's a small goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really wasn't interested in making uh, as many as being the most prolific director in the world. I wasn't interested in you know winning Oscars and doing CGI films. I really just wanted to make films that. Um, for really sort of personal spiritual reasons. Yeah, and you know, and you've worked with so many great directors. I mean, you know, yeah. as an actor, we can start yeah. with Demi and Scorsese, and mm -hmm. you can just go down the Tony Richardson on and yep. on and yep. on. Do you learn something each time you work with somebody like that? Every single time. And sometimes mm -hmm. you learn, don't ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've also made a lot of movies with first-time directors. Um, yeah. I, I made Adrian Lyons first film. Right. Um, uh, that Alan was Parker. Foxes, right? Foxes, yeah. Alan Parker, Bugsy Malone, uh, which technically was his first film. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I've had the, I've, it's been the best film school in the world. I, I feel like I've learned from every spectrum, you know, from somebody who's as detail-oriented and specific and controlling as David Fincher, who I really, I think I learned more from than anybody in my life, to somebody who's really more of a poet and just waits till he's in the moment to see what, what what's going to come of it, like Neil Jordan. I have always been a big fan of Walton Goggins, and I think that, that almost anything he's in, he makes better, and he certainly made with, with Danny McBride. The two of them were killer great in HBO's Vice Principals. At our Contenders event this year at the DGA, I had a chance to sit down with Walton, literally and figuratively, and you've got to take a listen. So, I mean, Vice Principals, it was very interesting the way that Danny created this with Jody Hill. Yeah. And you, you know, so many of us know you from your amazing time in Justified. And, and I think we can applaud that. Thank you. Thank you. A number of Quentin's films you've been in, lots of The Shield, lots of stuff. This, for a lot of people who knew you, was a very different turn. And you guys just had chemistry to burn. What was it like when, when Danny approached you with this idea? And, and how was your feelings of like, I'll do this? Well, I, you know, I think I think for you know for every actor, you kind of look around and 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 you look at the landscape of other actors, and you think, God, I, I would love to to work with 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 him or with her, and uh, given an opportunity, I, th I think something special could happen. And I, and I actually went in and uh, and I and I auditioned for a role on um, on East Mountain Down. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. Yeah, oh, and I and I had I had braces, you know, <laughs> at, at the time, and uh, and I walked in, and they were like, it was me and five comedians from Saturday Night Live. And and I just thought, well, this is never going to happen. Like ever, everyone here is funnier than than me. Uh, but but we had a great time. We had a really good time in in that in that meeting. And uh, and then a couple of years later, uh, while I was doing the Hateful Eight, he reached out and said, yeah, you know, I have this this role, and and um, and I, I want you to do it, man. And and I, I read them in a trailer on the side of a mountain and said, yeah, I'm in. I want to be with you. Now, one of the things about Vice Principals is obviously it's you and Danny play two. I want to use the word competing, but that's such a lame term to describe what happened. But the clip gives us a little bit. You, as Russell, at one point in this, you know, 
things go badly. And I, I was always amazed when I looked at the finale, how it kind of rein, reinvigorated that sense of like, why are people so, why are the politics of academia so, so sharp? And it's because the stakes are so low. Uh, yeah. Two guys who are dying to be a high school, a high school principal. Yeah. And literally that finale, tigers and all. Yeah. So I wanted to get a sense from you is one thing that was interesting about Vice Principals is it was always set to be two seasons, a limited run. For you as an actor, what kind of possibilities is that open for you? Well, because you're kind of making art in a vacuum, you know, you're, you're not uh, influenced by uh, an outside perspective, you know, it doesn't like in between like a season, you're, you're not trying to uh, uh, recalibrate kind of your performance or your writing to appease an audience. Um, you're just on an island. And, and uh, for better or for worse, this is the story that we're telling. And it's going to be finished uh, in its entirety before anyone sees it. Uh, so uh, in, in, in that way, and to be in a, like a filterless uh, uh, chasm, if you will, it was, it was extremely liberating. It was really, really, really cool. It was the first time that I had ever done that. So thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And of course, you can find all of our Emmy breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. Thanks for joining us. See you later. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.